city in lock. Open your mind. You can see the culture defined. Through the music and lifestyle, get deep in the land. Seeking you find. We just want our people to shine. On that platform, platform, you can rewind. This is bigger than some content. You can decide. That the keys to the city podcast is a vibe. Tap in. Welcome to another episode of Key to the City. Uh, happy 2024. Hold on, let me get my my background right. That ain't what I want back there. Uh, I guess that is what I want. Oh, it ain't going to change till I bring this done on. But anyway, welcome to a new year, 2024. We are still in season number four, man, episode 10. Thankful for everybody that's continuing to rock with your boy, man. 2023, I'm glad we all made it. If you're seeing this, you have made it to another year. You overcame your challenges last year, and I'm proud of you. Your family's proud of you. Everybody that's depending on you is proud of you. And uh, I know it was challenging for me, bro. Uh, Like I'm in, like I said, I'm in my fourth season, but uh, this season just felt like I was going through the motions. I didn't really have any motivation behind my episodes. I was just trying to do it to meet my quota, um, which I do 26 episodes. Um, No, I do 52 episodes a year, but I break the seasons up into 26 episodes. So this is episode 10 of season four. And, uh, you know, burnout is real. It hit me. So I had to come up with a strategy to uh, maximize my time. And also maximize uh, my R&R and ability to, to recover because I can't give y'all good co- quality content if I ain't no good. So and I just don't want to half ass nothing. So I appreciate y'all sticking with me uh, through the inconsistencies. And uh, we back on the ground to start the new year. And uh, just like always, we're going to keep hitting you in the head with quality content, quality guests. And this episode is no different. Uh, I'm very excited for the young lady that we have on the show today. Um She's a new author. Yeah, a budding author. And, uh, you know, this is one of my good friends from college. Uh, we attended Ole Miss together. And uh, she's always been real with me. And she's always been authentic, which is what I love about her. And if you follow her, you know, you can get that vibe from some of her posts. And, uh you know, she's very inspirational as well. She's overcome some personal battles, uh, which we'll be discussing today as uh, a new anthology was released. Um, December 12th, I believe it was released, but we'll get confirmation from uh, Miss Dunn um, when the book was released. Now, our anthology, I know you're wondering just like me. What exactly is that? Well, I'm going to tell you what it is. But Well, I know what it is, but I'm going to let Miss Dunn tell y'all, and uh, we all know together. But um, it's basically a compilation put together by Angela Carr Patterson, uh, where several different voices uh, are explaining their journey, real people, real stories uh, to awaken the soul. And we all need some type of motivation. We all go through storms and ups and downs in life. Life is a constant roller coaster. But as long as you remain strapped in, baby, you're going to make it to the finish line. So we're going to let this queen come on and tell her story. Uh, And, you know, maybe you can get some insight from it, something that's going to keep you going. Maybe you at your wits end. You're at the end of your rope. You think about ending it all tomorrow or just giving it up tomorrow. But um, 
you know, maybe this story will help you keep your head up and make it just one more day. Because we never know what the next day holds. That's why we just got to keep pushing, try to make it to one more day, man. We never know. So I'm going to shut up. And uh, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, kinfolk, y'all give a warm welcome to my guest today, Miss Miyasha Dunn. What's going on, Queen? Hey, hey, how you doing today? I'm blessed and highly favored. How are you? Fine. Long day. I'm- we're very end. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, well, I'm, I feel honored that you took time out of it to come kick it with your kinfolk, man. Always. It's a long time no see, and uh, you're still glowing. <laughs> you're still shining, and I love it. You still look healthy and happy, and uh, you know those are the signs of a survivor. Somebody that perseveres. So we thank you for gracing this platform. Um, yeah. Tell my audience a little bit about you. Uh, where are you from? Who your folk is? <laughs> <laughs> Who your people is? Where they from? I am from, well, I grew up in Bay, Mississippi. Um, both of my Bay. parents are um, military veterans. Okay. What branch? Army. Okay. Um, my dad retired after 22 years and my mom got out in 10. Mm. Um, so the discipline that comes with them being in the military was in the house. Um, Mm. so we finally settled in Bayton, Mississippi and I grew up there and then I relocated to Ridgeland, Mississippi in March of 2012. Okay. Where you go to school? Uh, where I haven't been to school. Um, oh. I started my journey at Ole Miss. Uh-huh. And um, I got pregnant and I moved back home and I wanted to go to nursing school. Um, I mm. was going to school, but I had plans to go a different route. So I ended right. up to Holmes Community College for two years and I got my associates. And then after that, I got my bachelor's at Delta State and I sat out for like maybe six months or so. And mm-hmm. then I enrolled in the master's program at William Carey and uh, I graduated in August of 16 with a double master's in nursing. Mm. You smart as hell. A little. <laughs> so... Where does the writing come in at? Before we actually jump in the book, um, have you always been a writer, like behind the scenes in your spare time? Always. Um, I used to journal. um, Mm -hmm. So I discovered at a young age, really, really young age, that writing in a diary, I didn't have a lot of friends growing up. So. Um, I was always shy, introverted. I was picked on a lot. And I used to write in my diary, like my diary was my best friend. Like if I had Mm -hmm. a bad day, if I had a crush, if my mom was having a bad day and she took it out on me, I told my diary everything. Um, Mm. Everything. And then (laughs) probably when I turned 13, I started writing, um, poems and yeah. poetry and a lot of my friends picked, picked it up as well and we used to bring our poem books to school and share um, we used to read and critique and I just 
fell in love with it. But because I didn't have a lot of friends and we moved a lot, I used to read a lot. Like I had a library mm-hmm. card at a really, really early age. Mm-hmm. And I would go pick out the max that I could get a week. And then my mom would take me back and then I'd go get some more books. Mm. You were you ever writing? You get to the point because uh, were you an only child? Or no? <laughs> oh, well, you had friends then. <laughs> we um uh, no, my my siblings were not no messing with you. Okay, <laughs> so I had an older brother that did not grow up in the house with us. And then I had a younger sister. And you know how younger siblings are. They do stuff. They get you in trouble all the time. They lie. Mm-hmm. They do everything. So I didn't like my little sister. And my brother was being a big brother. So I didn't like him either. Mm. Yeah, I was asking because I thought that came from like a only child syndrome because I'm an only child. And I did a lot of off the wall shit because I didn't have anybody to play with. I played full football games by myself. I'm both teams. I'm tackling myself. And I'm. <laughs> Throwing touchdowns to myself. Uh, so I started writing as well, poems, poetry, and of course my poetry led into rap. Okay. And uh, but I thought it was one of those only child outlet type of things, but I journal now as an adult, believe it or not, and it's very therapeutic. So I'm definitely on board with you there. And it helps. Um, especially if you're like having um, a rough couple of months or even a rough year and you finally get out of the rough patch and you just happen to go back and look at that journal mm-hmm. or you're trying to show someone else, be relatable and show someone else that you also went through it and you let them read those journal entries and you're like, damn, I overcame a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I made it through this, but hey, it's two years later and I'm here. I didn't even think of it like that. That's a story in itself. Yeah. And you kind of think about it. Yes. I could -hmm. could do so much with my old diary entries. (laughs) What is that? Would that be like an auto? That's an autobiography, right? When you write your own. Okay. See, I know a little something. But I don't know what an anthology is. So an anthology book is pretty much what you said earlier, a compilation of either short stories or poems. It's a collection of stories or short, it's a compilation of short stories or poems Mm -hmm. um, compiled to make a complete book. So this project was compiled by Angela Carr Patterson and there are six women telling completely Mm -hmm. different stories in the book. And, and during the no, time, really. I got to know them on a personal level, and I love them. I wouldn't change. I didn't enjoy the project when I was doing it because I didn't want to hmm. relive the trauma. Um, I was already in therapy, but it made me dig up a lot. Mm. It, I thought I had overcome or I didn't realize was still a problem for me. And then every week when I would go to therapy, I'd be in there crying, snotting, upset, mad. Mm. It, it resurfaced. How did the uh, whole project come together? Like, how did she reach out to you specifically and the other five women or six women? So 
My sister, I have an older sister who used her as a business coach a couple of years ago. And she always talks about how great she is. And I had some ideas in mind about a business that I wanted to start it to start. And I, my sister told me how much she charged. And I was like, I will never be able to afford that. Like, yeah. (laughs) Then, um, I joined, she had something called, um, I think it was called like the coaches cafe. It was like, um, having access to her, but not for whatever reason, whether it was lack of commitment or, um, money or whatever your issue was, if you couldn't fully commit to a year-long commitment and fully come on board with her for coaching, you could get many sessions with her. And she would come Mm -hmm. on um, every Tuesday and do Zooms and like this. And Mm -hmm. she would talk about something. She would ask us questions or we could unmute and ask her questions about whatever, and she was just very encouraging, very inspiring, and I was on one of her Zooms last year, maybe November, December, and she was talking about a new project she was starting called um, Awaken Voice, and I had my camera off, but I started crying, and I was like, Mm. I this voice say it's time it's time for you to do it because a couple of years ago she did a project called um a fatherless daughter and mm. i still wanted to do that one but i was not ready to rock that boat like mm-hmm. I, I i i just i didn't want to do it i wasn't ready and a couple of years had passed and she was doing another project and i called her um well, I, I used her link and scheduled a consultation and the outcome ended up with me doing the project and I hired her as my life coach slash business coach. Mm. Very dope. Very dope. Now, um, are you able to, we definitely want people to purchase the book and we'll get into all of that later, but can you give us like a brief synopsis of your story of what you overcame? Something that may you don't have to spill the full beans, but just you know that initial point, that middle point, and when you decided to take control and say, "My life is in my hands, and I really have to do X, Y, and Z to get my life back." Then you gotta start crying up here now. Don't make me cry because I'm an empath. And- you know, my eyes get the water and if I start looking up, that means I'm trying to keep them back in there. I don't want them to roll out. So what can you share with us, though? So, um, and I'm definitely going to support. Well, thank you. So I read sure. from the story. Um, yes, ma'am. And yeah, I'm not going to give out the meat. Um, okay. But the name of okay. the story is called Sweet Dreams and Nightmares. And mm-hmm. um, 
All I ever wanted since I was a little girl was to be married. I had seen my mom go through several relationships after leaving my dad and not one resulted in marriage. She was a hard worker and now I know that she did the best with what she had. She was an army veteran and a single parent of three children and we received little to no assistance from my fathers. As a matter of fact, my brother has not even had never even met his dad. One of the last memories of my dad was my mom yelling at him while trying to run my run him over in the parking lot at his job. I remember looking at the back window, watching him as the car drove off, thinking he's just going to let us leave. I never thought I would see my dad again. My childhood was a lot different after that day. We were poor and moved a lot. Making friends was a struggle for me because I was always on edge due to the fear that my mom would come to the school and disenroll me at any moment. I was bullied a lot and I was always getting into fights. I didn't initiate fights. I was quite shy, but I wasn't about to let another child to bully me. But school became a major source of anxiety and grief. Mm. What type of emotions or memories stir up in you when you read that? (laughs) Are you at a place of peace now or does it still kind of make you cringe a little bit when you read? I'm serious. You made me think about my childhood when you, you know, get deep like that. Um, it's still real cringy. Um, mm-hmm. hmm, let me think. I probably didn't spend time. I probably was five, maybe six when we left that day. Mm-hmm. And I probably didn't spend time with my dad for real, for real, until I was 16. And I don't remember why we got into it. Well, we didn't talk for maybe a year, year and a half. He came to my high school graduation and I don't know. We didn't spend any time together after that. Like my dad legit came back to Jackson, caught a flight and went back home. And I don't know. I was emotional behind it because at the same time, I wanted to spend time with him, but we weren't on the best of terms. But here I am graduating high school and I wanted to go meet with my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hated school. I absolutely despised school as a child. Um, but part of it was because shit, you couldn't make friends because we moved so much. Um, and I refused after like the third move, I refused to make friends with people. My friends, well, my classmates thought I was mean, stuck up, thought I was better than them. And it wasn't that at all. I wanted to play with them in the playground. I wanted to learn the um, double ditch. Uh, I wanted to sit and talk, play, play with dolls and things, but at any given moment, it was the worst thing ever. If they came on the intercom and told me to come to the office, I got all my stuff and went because I knew I wasn't coming back. Mm. That's kind of like, um, yeah. So you got eventually got to the point where. What's even the point of making friends? Because I could be uprooted at any time. You know, um, and thank you for being vulnerable with me to share that. You know what I've always thought, man, like, I think a lot of issues that we have as adults stem from childhood. Some type of childhood 
trauma. I'm serious, man. And it's like you go your whole life dealing or um, what's the word I want to say? Acknowledging or dealing with everything but that, but the root of all your issues. You know, we never ask why we. Um, I used to think I could never keep a woman. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know why. And I eventually figured out, or I was kind of in the same boat with you, like, especially when it came to a relationship with the opposite sex, I didn't want to get too close because I didn't want to deal with loss. And it all stems back to kind of a sort of situ- situation with you. But my father has always been in my life, but I've was raised in a separate household. He was in the military, so he was always traveling, but I was raising my mom in Mississippi. And then I always thought, when you were a kid, you always had that thought that they always going to get back together. I'm, they'll get back together. I'm just waiting for the day. And then when he finally delivered the news, I think I was like 11 or 12, that he was getting remarried. I didn't even know. Yeah, I was legally divorced, but getting remarried, I just remember breaking down in the car. And then you fast forward, um, so our relationship was kind of hit and miss, and we didn't share a lot. He's not a man of many words. But you get to, I'm 25 years old, and we finally have a come to Jesus meeting. And I'm breaking down as a 25-year-old man, just everything just spilling out of me, and I revert back to that 12-year-old memory and let him know what they did to me and situation like that. But, you know, um, that's tough, man. It's really hard to deal with. And we don't, I think a lot of us just brush it to the side and stay, try to stay busy to, you know, overcome it. What? Do you agree with that? Like a lot of adult issues still from childhood? Yes. Yeah. Um, but um, it's weird how it resurfaces. Like, I don't care. And I tell people all the time, I don't care how much you run from pain and trauma life has a funny way of making you deal with it like I don't care if you're 45 25 it resurfaces in some form of your life and you gonna either cry um, you look to something to help you cope whether it's food, drugs, Mm -hmm. alcohol Um, some of us have support systems and we end up going to therapy but everybody's not so fortunate and unfortunately some people end up taking their lives because they are ashamed or afraid and don't see the light they they don't see how the situation can be better mm-hmm. it shows up when we have children when we're raising our children the problems with relationships god yeah. really when you're married like two separate mm-hmm coming together, living together, and you're trying to deal with their trauma, deal with your um, trauma that you hear, and trying to make it work. And God forbid if you have, not, I shouldn't even say God forbid, but if you have children together, like the different co-parenting styles, mm-hmm. it's just different. It's, it's, it's <laughs> finds a way. Yeah, yeah. If one parent was raised with their parent, um, Every other word is a cuss word, and you a bitch, you a hoe, you this, and uh, you just yell about every small thing. That's gonna transfer to you as an adult when you're dealing with your kids. 
and I see it clear as day. Uh, I don't know. I think a lot of mothers and daughters bump heads. Apparently. Like that. <laughs> so <laughs> I ain't gonna tell my personal business when it comes to me. Yeah, I know what I'm saying. I got a daughter. She 18, about to be 17. And I every every other month I'm getting a call. Come get me. Yep. Come on, man. And then they want to be independent until they need you for something. Come on, man. Get like this big stop sign, and they're like, I don't know how to fix it. I don't know what to do. But a week ago, when I was trying to, you know, help you avoid this, you didn't want the help. Mm. Mm-hmm. Does um somebody remind you of you when you was their age? No. That's what's crazy. So <laughs> my daughter talks a lot. Hell, her mom yeah. talks a lot. I talked a lot mm-hmm. as a child. But my mom was mean as hell. Um, mm. I don't know if she had PTSD or what. My mom was mean. Uh, and I say out of her way. Mm-hmm. I stay locked up in my room a lot, listening to music. I always had like a Walkman or a CD player, um, books, my diary. I stayed out of my mom's way, period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't talk back a lot. Um, I didn't ask her a lot of questions. Hell, I didn't even want her helping me with homework because you either mm. gonna be um, for not comprehending whatever it was, or you were gonna yell at me. And I was like, I figured out on my own. But unknowingly, I picked up some of those same traits, and mm. they end up coming out. But um, I guess my daughter tries to figure it out on her own, but in a different way. Like, yeah. Mm, but the parenting part is a little different but um, I couldn't go to my mom for support for anything Um, I just felt like she wasn't supportive Um, Mm -hmm. I I was always on the A and B on the roll most times I had perfect attendance I was always involved in a program or something my mom was never there I don't care if Uh it's Order. If my daughter is involved in something, I'm leaving mm-hmm. where you don't let me out from calling in. So Damn. I be there for her in that aspect. Um, and then where you know, like she's applying to college or filling out her um, what is it, the FAFSA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I sent her scholarship information. I sent her test prep information for the ACT. Mm-hmm. I I have it. It's in a way, I kind of felt like I was raising myself. Uh, oh. Uh, but I did have an aunt, um, and I went to her house a lot to mm-hmm. avoid my mom. Mm-hmm. But we didn't talk about school or anything. That was like my safe space. And I just went there to be around her kids. Uh, they had cable. We mm-hmm. did and my aunt was in street like she lived in a different city but I had friends there I pretty much grew up over there and that was my outlet like she saved me from a lot of Mm. everything so I was running I didn't say I didn't have to say boots my diary I didn't have to take any of this stuff to her house because I didn't need it oh powerful powerful that's dope right there 
Key to the City podcast. We got the Queen Miyasha Dunn in the building with us. Just a few more questions, a couple more questions before I let you go. Uh, before we get into the upcoming event and how people can get access to the book, um, I want to ask you, have you forgiven your father? Be real. <laughs> You know, they say, uh, do you believe in, um, do you believe that you have to forgive to move on? And how do you forgive and move on without closure? It's kind of like, um, you have to learn to accept an apology you're never going to get. But honestly, I feel like I had more problems with my mom than my dad. Ooh. She was present. Yeah. But not, you... not really. Right. She was in the house, I should say. But, but do you think it has something to do with the absence of him and led to the dynamic of your relationship? Because they always, they tell me now, and, you know, I kind of agree with, like, don't be so hard on your parents. Just like you have concerns or about how you was raised and things like that. Have you researched their background and where they came from and how that impacted them to make them who they are? Yes. And so, give them, you know how they say. Um, I think I've forgiven both of my parents. I think. Mm. Okay. But, I have yet to have that conversation with either of them mm-hmm. for different reasons. Um, I feel like my dad will, I know for a fact he would apologize for not being there. But the older I got, I had to also learn that it wasn't all his fault. Um, you know how one parent tell you one thing to Jade, your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Parent. So I remember being in the third grade, and it's funny now. It's not funny, but I remember being in the third grade, and I came home and like ate a snack or something, and I put it in the trash. And when I put it in the trash, I saw some rips of paper with some handwriting on it. I know my dad's handwriting from anybody's handwriting. So I picked mm-hmm. the piece of paper up, and I smelled them. Even to this day. Um, So my dad has six girls. Um, So my mom has three kids and my dad has six. All girls. Even to this day, if my dad sends me a Christmas card or a birthday card or a note saying I'm proud of you for anything, he sprays a cologne. Mm. Um, My daughter loves it. Like, I think... That's the most rewarding thing to this day. She She's excited that he sends her money, but she's excited, really, really excited that that car has a smell on it and she smells it. Mm-hmm. So when I picked the pieces of paper up out of the garbage can, I smelled that smell. And I took the shards and I held them in my hand and I went to ask my mom, like, and I called him for it. I was like, he wrote me a letter. Like, why did you open my mail? And why did you rip it up and put it in the garbage? She cussed me out like a dog. Like, mm-hmm. 
she told me the trash was her personal trash and I was staying in the child's place and not to be in it. But that started making me think like, how many other times did he write me a letter and you didn't give it to me? Mm-hmm. So then at the age of 16, my youngest sister is three years younger than I am. We went and stayed with him one summer. And during that summer, the first day we got there, like, I walked into some bullshit. First day. Um, mm-hmm. Both the Greyhound bus and the police showed up at the house. Had my dad, like, he lives in the suburbs. Police was everywhere. Mm-hmm. They come get us, get us out of the house. They're sitting us on the curb. Some officers are inside questioning him. Some are outside questioning us. And lo and behold, my mom has reported that my dad kidnapped us. Mm. Like, my dad had sent us money to eat. He bought the bus tickets, mailed them. They were in agreement to us coming. And the guy, the police officers, like, go in the house to get your belongings. We're going to transport you back to Mississippi. I'm trying not to cry because my little sister is damn near hysterical. And I'm like, but we're supposed to be here. Like, why are you here? Mm-hmm. So then the officer tells me everything that happened. So he gives me his business card and he's like, if you and your sister decide at any point that you don't want to be here, call us and we'll come get you and take you back home. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to need to call you or whatever. So I go back to the house and I try to come my sister down. And my dad is like holding it together. But I yeah. can tell you he feels some type of way and he's embarrassed, you know. Mm-hmm. My dad goes to get this briefcase and my dad has all these letters that I ever re- wrote to him. He has all these cards, birthday cards, Christmas cards. Then mm. every last one of them were stamped return to sender. I never saw them. Wow. So that taught me that the what I thought and had learned from my mom over the years wasn't true at all. So mm-hmm. then I started investigating, asking questions. I started asking my siblings questions. I started asking my dad questions. And my mom isn't really a woman of many words. Um, mm-hmm. And she gonna tell you shut the hell up talking to her. Like, get out of my face. I don't wanna talk about it. So that's it with it. But I discovered this year in May during the <laughs> the, the the writing of the story yeah. that I really can't blame either of them for what happened because at this point I I've talking I've talked to my dad a lot and I understand a lot about my dad's childhood trauma and mm. from talking to my aunt. And just watching my mom, I've learned about her childhood trauma. And I feel like when two individuals get together and they're both unknowingly broken and unhealed and they procreate and you still dealing with your trauma, they're still dealing Hmm. with their trauma. You bring these children into the world and you're fighting and doing whatever else that's what ultimately happens to them. And when you separate the child, the, the children end up going with one parent and we just do things we shouldn't do. We badmouth the other parent or mm-hmm. like the hero and paint the, the other person as the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But I now understand that 
the stuff that happened between my mom and dad, my dad did what he knew, you know, um, he did the best he could. I don't really remember how old they were when they got together, but my dad signed up once to the army at the age of 18. His mm. mom died. He was seven. Mm. Um, his dad wasn't in his life and he was in his life, but not really in his life. Um, and so when my dad's mom died, he had an older sister living in Florida and she was married and had her own children. And now their, their mom had passed. She had to come back to Georgia to get um, her sister and her two younger brothers. So now she's got three more children. And at the time, I don't think her marriage was the healthiest. And mm-hmm. um, she's deceased now. And But she was mean. I remember going to visit her when we were little and she was mean. She did not play. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm like the offspring from, you know, so I can only imagine what it was like for my dad and his siblings to go up in our house. Um, and I think they were poor. So my dad went to the military to be able to provide for his, his children mm-hmm. or to have a life a decent life for himself. Right. In the meantime, he didn't come from a two-parent household. His mom had died when he was young. And hell, he didn't know how to love a woman, how to he didn't know he was broken. Mm-hmm. Childhood. hmm Come from a broken childhood and then go to the military. Man, I'm just the whole time you were telling that I'm looking for like where's the love? He just probably want a strong ass hug. Yep. Somebody to tell him they love him. Oh, that's a powerful story, man. Some straight out of color purple. Hiding <laughs> letters like this. <laughs> Mister hit all them letters under the floor. Um. But I want you to tell us about. Um, you have a book signing coming up. You're signing the book, and it's also a birthday bash for you as well. Yes, I'll be 39, and um, my book signing, the first book signing, isn't here. It's in one on the Mississippi at the one on the Community House, um, January 21st, um, three to seven, and there's also a documentary that. Um, we did along with um, the book and Mm. it's about I think maybe three hours long and so during this particular event I'll be screening my portion of the book no I said it wrong I'll be screening my portion of the documentary I haven't seen it Mm. oh (laughs) that's gonna be nice (laughs) no it's not (laughs) bring your tissue yeah, <laughs> um, I remember fussing the entire time because I cried hysterically from start to finish. I had a panic attack right before it. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not doing this. Like, I changed my mind. I wrote my story. Leave me alone. I'm I'm not doing anything else. Right, right, right. I was doing that part. Um, so, yeah, you get to meet, greet, hang out, eat. Be festive. Um, ask me questions. I'm gonna do a Q and A at the end, and mm-hmm. 
So that's that. And I'm well, sure there'll be other book signings, but right now I'm just going to focus on this one because this is how I'm celebrating my birthday this year. And I love it. How can, how can we get access to the book? How can we put our hands on it? It is um, available on Amazon. Okay. Directly from Amazon. Um, I won't sign those copies because it's not coming from me. But mm. um, they can follow me on um, Facebook with my name, Maisha Dunn. And um, at the top of my page, there's a pinned post um, talking about the book. And there's a link to my square. Um, you can do... The book is $15 and you can do um, like local pickup or delivery. Or if you live a ways off, there are two options. Um, you just pay for shipping. But either way, I'll sign them all and mail, and mail them. Well, I'll mail the ones that requested for them to be mailed. So you do have some on hand because I want mine signed. Yes. Um, okay. I have, I think, maybe three boxes of books. Okay. Okay. Well, a bit. That's on. Well, Miss Dunn, this has been a powerful episode. Um, if it weren't for Shannon Sharp and Cat Williams, we'd probably be number one with it. And uh, I just appreciate you being vulnerable enough to share with your boy. And uh, you got my throat tight for a minute. You know when you want to cry, your throat get tight. You just try to hold on. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I know you're going to test somebody with this episode. Somebody will hear it. And uh, I wish you much success in the future. And uh, hopefully this won't be your last uh, writing. Uh, We need more. We're going to need that autobiography. Um, You know, I'm just super proud of you. I think what you're doing is dope. And I'm very, very proud of you for overcoming your personal battles and, uh, you know, finding strength to do that. So you always got support here at Key to the City. And um, we wish you wish you well. And uh, any final words for my camp folk? No, thanks for having me. Um, you guys can reach out to me um, on social media. You can inbox me. You can mm-hmm. have Facebook Messenger. Um, I post a lot. Uh, the past couple weeks yeah. I've been kind of quiet because um, I've had other stuff going on. I've been tired. Mm-hmm. I love weather but i'm back and i'll go back to posting that is that is and you guys will see the promo for this episode soon i am currently in facebook jail but i am scheduled to be released uh sometime tomorrow afternoon so look forward to that uh she is the queen miss dunn i am mr key to the city this has been another episode of key to the city podcast peace love blessings we holler at y'all on the other side peace